Hi, I'm Brooke Messer, and I give a damn about scleral lenses. Hey, Eisenstein there, my friends, and welcome to the I Give a Damn podcast. Today, my guest is Dr. Brooke Messer. Dr. Messer is not only an expert in the management of cataract, glaucoma, cornea, and refractive surgery, but is probably best well known for her success and expertise in specialty contact lens fitting. She's not only a fellow of the American Academy of Optometry, but also of the Scleral Lens Education Society. Today we discuss the many challenges that eye doctors face with fitting scleral contact lenses, with Brooke sharing some of her own tips to help whether you are a beginner in scleral contact lens fitting or a complete expert. We also touch on mentorship and personal growth as Brooke has personal firsthand experience of not only growing a private clinic, but then turning around and realizing that that was maybe not the best career path for her. I think that Brooke has an amazing amount of knowledge to share with us on top of just being a lovely, amazing person to talk with. So please hit that like, subscribe, and follow buttons. And here we go with Dr. Brooke Messer. Welcome, Brooke, to the podcast. This is a huge honor for me. I We've kind of, I've always known you, uh, even from like the kind of the early of my, uh, just beginning of my practice to uh, kind of as this this person, if you need a specialty contact lens fit, if so, if you're having difficulties, if there's something weird on the eye and you just, you, you need it, you need that done, this is the person you call. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a real huge honor for me. And I, I just know you from other colleagues that are in the space. So thank you and welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I'm honored that that's the way you think of me. And you know, you work really hard at your craft and work hard to get your name out there and, you know, hope that your patients think you do a good job too. And um, so I feel really lucky to be where I'm at in my career with having that great experience after optometry school and growing a contact lens practice and, you know, using that knowledge to continue to grow professionally in other ways um, and then landing here in the chair. So, so yeah. yeah, good, good to be here. <laughs> well, um, I know you, you kind of already led into this a little bit, but, uh, for our, our viewers and, and listeners right now who've never met Dr. Brooke Messer, please, uh, introduce us a little bit more to, uh, kind of your story of yeah. getting into not just optometry, but then what are you doing? Uh, kind of what we're, what brought you to today? Yeah, I think the underlying uh, message of my story is just having amazing mentors. And so it all started, you know, optometry school, really enjoyed my time at uh, SCCO um, down in Orange County. I finished optometry school in 2010. And then I did my cornea and contact lens residency there too, uh, finished in 2011. And Dr. Tim Edrington was my residency advisor, and he's my first mentor. He was he was the one who taught me how to talk to patients who had things like keratoconus or corneal transplants that really struggled with like that chronic vision distortion, you know, bothered every day by their vision or, you know, intolerance to contact lenses or whatever it may be. Um, he's the one who kind of taught me how to be passionate, how to connect with patients. Cause that's, that's the key to all of this. You know, you can be super skilled in fitting something like a scleral lens, but if patients can't connect with you, they don't feel heard. Um, so I do think that my time with Dr. Edrington in my residency, was um, you know a key platform to you know launch into my the next phase of my career. He introduced me um, along with um, Ursula and Craig. They're uh, Ursula Lotzcat and Craig Norman. They're um, you know really involved in the contact lens world and the contact lens residency programs. So they introduced me to Jason Jedlica, who I partnered with in private practice after my residency, 
and Jason and I had just an amazing practice, really grew this contact lens little mega world um, in the Minneapolis area, and we um, you know, experimented with contact lens design, we saw complicated patients, we wrote articles together, we did lectures together, and so Jason was kind of my next mentor in my career in that he would get offered to do really neat things, and if he couldn't do it, he'd say, well, Brooke can do it. And so then I was able to get introduced to many more connections you know, through our practice there. And then in um, 2014, Jason said that you know, he had always had this passion for education, wanted to get into academia. So he moved on to um, IU to teach, you know, to go to the optometry school there. And so then I continued on in our practice. And, um, you know, uh, things continued to grow. Uh, patients, his patients, can, you know, thankfully trusted me to stay with the practice. We got new referrals. And, um, you know, we, we started to really grow in orthokeratology at that time, too. And just uh, both sides of, you know, irregular cornea, myopia, uh, specialty multifocals and things. Like, everything was just exploding gaining trust in um, uh, local optometrists too. We worked really hard on uh, partnering with optometrists in the area rather than just like continuing to grow the primary care aspect of the clinic. We really were trying to grow the almost like a referral-based um, co-managing type place, uh, type clinic for the specialty contact lenses. Um, and then uh, in 2020, I had this realization that I was, you know, had two kids now and, you know, private practice was wonderful, but the um, there were other things that I felt in my career that I was missing, and I, you know, had thought, gosh, like I haven't looked at a visual field critically for so long. I feel like I'm losing that part of my skill set, and so I uh, ventured into other things. And now I'm in West Fargo at Vance Thompson Vision, still doing specialty contact lenses, but also doing you know anterior segment disease, um, glaucoma, cornea, uh, refractive surgeries, things like that. And so I feel like my career has been just um, connected and so I feel so lucky to have the people in front of me that have opened doors and helped me land where I'm at. Uh, that's and you've had just an incredible journey so thank you for sharing that certainly going from anything like just I love how you talked about your mentors because that's a huge part uh, I give a lot of credit to my mentors as well just the other day I um, so I actually work with Nicola Trella yes. uh, at the Pinecone Vision Center in, in Minnesota and he's been a mentor for me for for several years and so I feel very honored that I even get to not only work at the same place as him but it be, being so close to somebody who's who's just um, who's been there for me and, and really helped me through tough yeah impactful too yeah you know, like having mentors who are impactful on the profession and then, you know, following in their footsteps and sort of feeding off of their fuel too. It just, um, it, it's very rewarding to not only go to work, take good care of your patients, learn a few things from complicated eyes, and then also have that other side of the journey, whether it's, you know, doing what you're doing, growing the YouTube channel, doing podcasts, like impacting the profession in another way, or, you know, I've um, started a residency program at my new location. Yeah. So, you know, continuing to impact the profession outside the clinic, which is just really fun. Yeah, and you're just and passing on that mentorship, it, basically. It, exactly. I, it's really fun to be in that, you know, now I'm almost 12 years out of optometry school, and just it's neat to be on that side of things where, you know, I was at a dinner last night, and most of the people were younger than me, and they're like, how do you do it? You know, where are you at? Like, like how do you get where you're at? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm on, you know, I'm now on that side yeah, of the table. Yeah, right, you're on the other side of the um, coin. But yeah. but, yeah, it's really great to be, uh, you know, in a mentorship role. Um, of course, I still reach out to Jason and my other mentors. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
you know, to, to be both receiving the guidance and giving it now. It's a really cool. It is. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love coming to, to meetings. So right now we're recording this at the American Academy of Optometry in San Diego. And I just, I, I think Academy's always been my number one favorite. Um, and I think one of the reasons why is because I always see my professors. I always see the other, um, my, my mentors who were there in school who saw me as like the very, like the, just a young pup who didn't know what was going on. And then just being able to reconnect with them, um, it's just so special. I still I still have to call them by like their like I saw Doctor Srihari Narayan and uh, and I saw and I just I had to call him still by his like his professor name like he's always yes. that professor in my head uh, and not just like a colleague sort of thing. So it's it's just cool and yeah. special. It is good. Yeah, um, I I agree. You know, seeing your professors or. Um, you know, other mentors like uh, rotation sites, you know, doctors, it's weird to go up and call them by their first name. So I even I 12 years out still do that, too. I know uh, you touched on a lot of subjects just kind of sharing your story. Uh, one of them, of course, is uh, that you are so you're so well educated and experienced in the world of specialty contact lenses, certainly sclerals. Uh, and and like you mentioned ortho K. Uh, so I do want to just ask you more questions about that because that's an interesting, uh, I think a lot of our industry is a, is become more aware of sclerals. Like when I was in school, we learned about sclerals. We fit a scleral in the clinic or in our kind of our lab, but a lot of students maybe didn't really carry that forward into practice. And I know a lot of people I think are interested in fitting them more. Maybe they've already started, but they're not really sure uh, like myself, I, I didn't, in my residency at the VA, I did not do sclerals. I had to force myself to start fitting sclerals when I got out because I was interested in it. I saw that, hey, this is something I'm willing to put in the work for it. But anybody who's probably been in, and probably in your shoes as well, you trip and fall and it's not easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Yeah, so... Um, sclerals are a huge part of my career and the journey that they've taken me. Um, one interesting fact about you know my journey in scleral contact lenses is that the Zen lens was actually born out of our practice. Oh, from SV, BNL SVP. I didn't even know that. Alden Optical. Yeah. Quite honestly, so, that's the first that's the first scleral lens I started fitting. Yeah. So the um, you know Dr. Jason Jedlica again. We were partners in private practice and. Jason has always been a, a great mind in contact lenses, you know, tinkering with lens designs and things. And um, he, you know, started talking to the guys at Alden Optical and kind of came up with this design and this fit set concept. Um, and so he got talking to Charlie Creighton at Alden Optical and made some lenses. And Jason's like, here, throw these on some eyes. Tell me what you think. So we started using this lens. And we had, like, all these little nicknames for this lens until the Zen lens was born. But... Um, you know, putting it on and I'd say, oh yeah, I thought the edges were kind of loose and then, or, oh, the chamber is a little small. And, and then from that, the Zen lens was born and I don't take any technical credit for the Zen lens design, but it was really fun to be able to put it on eyes in its early conceptual phases. Um, so I have a real, you know, deep tie to that lens design just because of uh, the journey that we've had with it. And it's it. kind of your first, your, your first experience in that. Yeah. And, and who knows how many more you have, uh, you can share more if you had more experiences in development of lenses. Yeah. But imagine in the future you may be involved in more. Yeah. So in my in my residency, um, I think the one of the values, you know, if you're a student right now in optometry school considering your residency, one of the values of a cornea and contact lens residency is that you're, you know, you are sort of designing lenses. You're looking at base curves and peripheral curves and kind of learning to understand if you change one curve, how does it affect the fit? How does it affect the rest of the lens design? And um, so that was 
sort of the base in education that I got with scleral lenses was working with the Jupiter lens. With that lens, you know, all the curves are unlocked and you can change whatever you want. And so that gives you a really good foundation. Um, and then, you know, we worked on the Zen lens in private practice and saw how like efficient it was and, and uh, you know, how impactful it was for patients and, you know, all sclerals in general, there are some really good designs. I'm just particularly biased toward the Zen lens, but the, um, you know, you put a scleral lens on eye and, you know, whether it helps the patient relieve some pain from, uh, you know, corneal issues like dryness or, um, uh, you know, exposure keratopathy, keratopathy type things, um, irregular corneas, you know, certainly giving that vision, um, you really form this connection with the patient. And so I think the sclerals are impactful, not only because of the way that it changes the patient's life, you know, whether it's living with less pain or seeing better, um, but there's usually a few visits involved. And so you really get to connect with your patients and the, the follow-up visits are a little lighter typically, you know, I'm just checking a few things, checking some curves, checking the over-refraction. So the conversations with your patients become friendly, family, you know, and then year over year, you just, you know, modify the fit a little bit here and there. And um, so I, you know, my scleral lens patients have been a really big part of my life because I see them every day and then you see them every year. And um, it just, it's really fun. And uh, just, again, such an amazing platform to build a career on. And so if you're thinking about getting into scleral contact lenses, you know, my answer is just a resounding yes. Certainly the, the design of scleral lenses can seem complex, but that's why these companies have consultation teams. And even myself, like I've, I've ordered and tinkered with thousands of scleral lenses at this point in my life, and I still call consultation sometimes. Yeah. So you, you know, that's, that's why these companies have those teams to teach you about their design, to understand the curves, and that if you have a question, you should just call them and not, don't make the decision on your own. Right. That's, these people are paid to teach you how to fit lenses. And that's what, you know, that's how I started in residency. I got on the phone and ordered every contact over the phone. And then it turns into maybe emails because it's a little easier. Then you start designing some on your own from a modification standpoint. And um, so again, like if you're thinking about getting into it, put a lens on, take some pictures with your phone. Like it's never been easier to get good feedback from a lens designer on the consultation side. And, and I'll just say that, you know, my experience, again, I didn't do a residency in it. So I had no one like over my shoulder giving me tips about it. I just had to be like, look, I'm going to suck at this at first. I remember what I did in school. I still had my notes yeah. and I'd, 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 I'd reach out to the con, you know, to the consultation to ask about it. And I still do. Mm -hmm. And it actually makes me feel good just to hear uh, that somebody like yourself who's been so involved in it uh, still, um, you know, has to ask those questions and still tries to struggle. Because it's really, I think there's an issue. Once you graduate school, you kind of have this like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be this expert. I'm supposed to know this stuff. But um, that's really the mindset you need to keep going and be like, you know what, I'm not doing it just for your own self of pride you're doing it for the patient and to ultimately help the patient you need to just have that humility to be like hey i need to learn this yes. and this consult you know these these other experts in the other part of the country that i can talk on the phone like they want us to be successful too of course they do yeah and and even you know beyond the consultation team you know coming to meetings like this one is a great place to find a mentor too you know you connect with some you know me or a jason jedlica or you know a, a diplomate of the contact lens section yeah. Um, you know, there's so many people to connect with in the exhibit halls and, um, you know, you can connect with somebody in private practice if you're in private practice, hospital settings if you're in a hospital setting. You know, when I was younger, I had a private practice that was heavy in contact lenses. You know, our optical was 
kind of minimal. And so our private practice metrics from an analysis standpoint was so different because we didn't have that like 30% optical revenue that they say you're supposed to have when you take your practice management courses. And, um, and so, you know, going to meetings, whether it's here or the global specialty lens symposium in Las Vegas every year, it's every January. Um, those are really great places to go and find somebody that has a practice like what you want yours to be, whether it's a specialty contact lens practice or you want to add a specialty contact lens day to your private practice or to your group practice. Um, there's going to be somebody who's like that for you to hopefully be able to latch onto and continue to grow with um, so that you get the setup. You know, what do you need to be successful every day in in addition to the technical training that you would get from the lab. Uh, just to kind of build on that, I have two, <laughs> I, have a, I have two, I guess I have two questions. The first one, just speaking in the mentorship space. So my, uh, my colleague that sits next to me in the clinic that I'm always asking questions about when I'm trying to fit sclerals and, and other specialty lenses is uh, Dr. Trevor Faso. And uh, I, I need to ask you what, do you remember what he did the first day as a student he was in your, your clinic? I absolutely remember what he did. <laughs> you have to tell me because he told me to ask you, but I don't know what this. Oh, I'm going to out Trevor on uh, the, the podcast here. But uh, so Trevor is now an excellent colleague and I reach out to him to brainstorm. Um, but this is a fun little story. <laughs> the uh, um, Trevor's first day. So he went to Michigan College of Optometry and he was my first extern from that from that school. And. Um, he had done some work in the research division of MCO um, with Craig Norman and Chad Rosen. So he had more exposure to contact lenses than most fourth year students. Um, so I think he came in feeling pretty confident. And I, you know, Chad said, yep, he's a great student. You'll enjoy your quarter with Trevor. So I was like, okay, this is going to be great. Trevor goes in, um, you know, usually the first day we'll kind of introduce them to the clinic in the morning. And then I like to see like how they think. So I'll let them see like one patient um, do a workup and then come in and check in so I can just see like what are they, how are they thinking, how are they working through this. The patient um, was a, a young guy, probably mid-20s, had keratoconus, and um, Trevor asked if he could evaluate the contacts because he had come in and done the interest testing history. And I said, yep, go ahead. I'd seen this patient for at least five years. I knew everything about like you know, the lens on the right eye, lens on the left eye. I kind of knew the intricacies of each lens um, and what to kind of expect from him. Uh, so Trevor goes in, evaluates the contact lenses, comes back out, and he says, uh, the left scleral lens looks really good. I see some vault. The right one's a little bit shallow, but the landing is really nice. Like, I don't think it's impinging anywhere. Um, so my recommendation would be to increase the vault chamber on that eye. And I was like, and... And I said something about, like, how'd you assess the vault? And he's like, well, with fluorescein. And I was like, I was like, okay, we're going to go in that room really quick because the one lens was actually a custom soft contact lens. Oh. Okay. So he had died. He just destroyed it, just right? To, like, put a bunch of fluorescein on the custom soft. And I was like, no. You know, it was like a Kerasoft or something. I don't know what I was using at the time. Um, so I ran in there. It wasn't high molecular weight fluorescein. I don't even know if oh, they no. make it that anymore. It was just anymore. a big old strip of fluorescein. And... Um, I walked in, I said, hi to the patient, just quickly plucked that lens out of his eye and I like threw it in some hydrogen peroxide and I was like, I don't even know if this takes fluorescein out. And I was like squirting it with fluorescein and Trevor's like, I, I was like, I was like, don't talk to me. You know, I'm, like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, I have to take care of this lens because it's just bright yellow. 
And um, I'm cleaning it, I'm rubbing it, I'm rinsing it with like whatever saline I can find. I don't even know, like I probably put things that aren't supposed to go on soft contact lenses on that lens. And then I ripped it in my hand when I was trying to clean it. And uh, what did you tell the patient? Was it the student's fault or was it yours? Oh, I don't, I, you know, I think thankfully this patient is like a really nice young, you know, young guy. And he happened to have a backup soft contact lens at home. So he's like, no big deal. Like I was kind of time to replace it anyway. So we kind of lucked out in that, um, you know, he was in for his, uh, you know, medically necessary contact lens visit. We got his next annual supply ordered and covered by his vision plan. And uh, so it ended up not being such a bad deal for Trevor. But <laughs> it was kind of a rough first. Day. Yeah. And, you know, we all that's how we learn. You know, nobody, I think, will think back and be like, that first patient I had was my best patient. It's like, no, yeah, no, no, no. Sure. Um, and I've had to learn that. Well, that's a mentality I've had to carry with me was as I've gone through making YouTube videos and things like that. I'm like, oh, this is going to look horrible. But uh, after doing it for four years now, I'm like, oh, wow, if I look back at those old ones, I'm still embarrassed by it, but I can see the progress I've made. And, and I hope that happens with every doctor, right? That yeah, and, uh, you continually just get better. And you know, the, as you as you all know, listening here, you know, students rotate through every three months and the progress they make is amazing. It's so fun to um, you know see that confidence and their ability to handle specialty lenses, scleral lenses, analyze them. Um, you know, we had a really fun practice because of the high volume. So they were seeing, you know, five, six, seven scleral lenses every day, multiple ortho K lenses. Um, and so just that you just need, you know, repeat visits, repeat visits, see the changes you're making and understand how, again, when you make a change to a lens, how does it change the fit to the eye and how does it change the other curvatures? So do you need to, if you flatten one curve, do you need to steepen another or change the base curve and, and those kind of things? Um, and you don't know it until you do it. And that's where, again, you know, selecting your first patient is important. You know, you don't want to pick your engineer with, you know, oh, yeah. moderate keratoconus, probably not the best first patient. Yeah, pick that casual, you know, young guy that's low-key willing to take the journey with you and... You know, one thing I tell students is don't go in there and be like, um, you're my first person doing this, so I'm not going to charge you or I'm going to charge you less or give you a discount or, you know, don't don't do that ever. Don't you know, you. Yes, exactly. Because you are. you know, Yes, you're learning on the way, but you have all the tools you need. You know, you get the fit set, you read the fitting guide. Um, another thing that you can do is you can talk to the laboratory before the patient comes in. So you can say, hey, I got my first patient coming in. I think I want to use your lens. Yeah, here are my K's. Here's the refraction. What's <laughs> what lens should I pick? Or can you talk me through it? Can you talk me through the fitting guide? And so you don't necessarily have to order every time you jump on the phone with the lab. Um, and so a lot of the times when I do <clears throat> uh, try something new, where I want to throw on a front toric on a lens that you know fits on a graft or whatever it may be, I still call the lab and say, Hey, can you remind me like where should my markings land? What do you think this will do to the rotation? You know, do I need to look at the base curve or the landing, the, you know, the junction points, you know, how are we, how are we stabilizing this lens? Is it a prism ballast? Are we doing back surface ter uh, tericity? Um, talk me through it. And so then they can tell you, you know, based on the topography, this is what we're expecting. So we're going to look at the lens, probably going to land here, you know, watch the graft host junction at this point, or look at the keratoconus apex here um, so that you know where it lands. And so again, you can kind of come into the appointment armed with that information already. Like I know that because he's moderate, I'm going to grab this lens out of my fit set, or I'm going to grab this diameter because I know the size of the cornea. Um, and then I know that once I have the lens on eye, it's not going to look perfect because it's a diagnostic lens. 
you know, it's not empirically made. So I'm going to look for these things, limbo clearance, landing, central clearance, and then I'm going to do an over-refraction, I'm going to take a picture, and then I'm going to call the lab and ask, like, what did I just see? And then you go from there. And I love that just attitude of like, yeah, I've got to learn this and just being curious uh, and, and just going forward with it. And I can remember, and I'm sure every doctor, maybe every doctor can, can understand how I felt when I fit one of my first patients uh, on my own, in my own, in this practice with uh, a keratoconus patient who was in her 50s. She had been wearing glasses for all these years and she, she did not see well. And so we fit her in the scleral lens, but she was only seeing like 20, even best corrected over a fraction. I could only get her to like 20, 30. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a failure because I could only get her to 20, 30. And she was in her mid fifties. She already had some cataracts. There was other things going on. And she was, she had some scarring. She was a pretty good cone, but still I felt bad. I felt like I failed because I couldn't get her seeing much better. Mm-hmm. But to her, she cried because of how she had not seen that sharp for like 20 years. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just let the, let the lens settle for a little bit. Maybe things will change. I was just kind of curious what was going on. So I had to go out, out into the waiting room. This is the best marketing for yeah. our clinic ever. Yeah. She went to every person in the optical and into the waiting room, just telling them, you have to see Dr. Allen. This is the best. I've never seen this well. And she just teared up. And I'm just like, can you just let her sit out there a little bit longer? <laughs> you know, it's funny. We joke about that too sometimes where... Um you know, at the point of the private practice with the number of keratoconus patients we had or scleral lens wearers, um, you know, a patient would walk in, they'd check in, and maybe they'd mention something at the front desk or perhaps somebody in the waiting room would hear it, and they'd be like, you wear scleral lenses too. And then, you know, like they'd never met somebody else with keratoconus before, and, you know, they're having their, um, you know, conversations about their experiences and their journeys. And so that's kind of a fun thing too when you walk out and you hear them chatting about, you know, what, oh, this is what I'm doing or like, you know, I use a plunger like this. and um, There's definitely a huge fun. community of just keratoconus and people with sclerals in general. It's like a huge community. Yeah, and the, I mean, the online social media pages too, that just really amplifies their ability to connect with others. And so I think, I think those are good pages to encourage. I often encourage my patients, you know, if I know that there's a few big ones on Facebook or something, I'll say, here's a great place for resources where you can actually talk to somebody who's going through what, what you're going through. You know, I can tell somebody, oh, it's so easy to plop the plunger on and just take that lens out or put it in, and um, they don't feel the same. Yeah, hearing it from a doctor or hearing it from, uh, hearing it from your peers or other people who are going through those struggles. Yeah, just like us, you know, learning the sclerals, you know, going through that, um, that wearing experience is, is uh, a journey for them, too. And I know we could talk so much, we could talk about sclerals, especially lenses, for, for hours, right? Um, I had one other question uh, and that, and this is, has to do because I know one of the struggles I had when I was first bringing on sclerals into my practice, uh, and I imagine other doctors struggle with this too, is there are different ways to do it, but I'm curious what your thoughts are or recommendations. If you if someone was bringing in sclerals into their original their their primary practice, yeah. a lot of clinics are used to seeing patients every you know 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever it is, uh, doing routine care. And they're trying to bring on this specialty. It it's like a wrench in the system, it does. right? It's like, yeah. do I have to schedule an hour? How do I bill for that? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how do I? How do you talk to the patient? What to expect? Like, in in where you're practicing now, can you just explain how you how do you have that organized in your practice in terms of time slot assignment, um, and then just kind of setting that up for the patient on the road? Yeah, I think. 
that is good because it is applicable to where I'm at now. You know, I moved into a new practice and they had some contact lens patients, but nothing to the, you know, to the level that I was doing and, um, you know, the system that I liked to do the scleral lens fit. Um, and so I think a great place to start is having those time slots, like the last patient of the morning or the last patient of the day. Cause then at least if it goes into your lunch hour a little bit, you know, it's not ideal, but then you're not pushing other patients back and you don't have to feel quite so rushed. I think the big thing around fitting sclerals on somebody who's new to them or even new to contact lenses is um, the conversation because it, it takes the, the longest part of it is the patient education, talking about the lenses, talking about how long they last, you know, talking about cost because it can be expensive. Um, the patient usually has a lot of questions. Um, so that sometimes can be the longest part of it. And so for your first few fits, you know, I, do, I think it's valuable for you, the doctor, to deliver those questions, but it wouldn't hurt to have somebody from your team sit in on that too so that they can get those repeated questions and be somebody that kind of manages the first part and of, they feel that a bit. yes, they can answer a lot of those questions on, you know, how long it takes, you know, time in between lenses from a modification standpoint, you know, two weeks or whatever. Um, the warranty period where they can come back within the 90 days or whatever the warranty period is, um, you know, any sort of billing, like do we bill your vision care plan? Is this a medical billing? Is this out of pocket? Um, you know, somebody who can kind of, do that process for you so that when you come in, patients may have very specific questions like, what is my filling solution? Because some patients need different filling solutions or what do you do for cleaning solutions? And you know, obviously your technician wouldn't be the one making those decisions. So you know, those would be the ones that can be sort of just the things that only the doctor can answer. Um, and that kind of helps you get down to business a little faster. Um, and then you know, I always try and make sure that the patient understands their financial obligation on the front end too. Um, so if you can, you know, having checked their benefits ahead of time by calling their insurance or checking the online portals to check for coverage, um, you know, and then of course the, you know, many vision plans, you know, have some pretty good coverage. So, uh, and if there's no coverage, then talking about like the out-of-pocket cost and the out-of-pocket costs can be whatever you set. If it's a per visit thing or if it's a lump, you know, like an umbrella where it just covers a certain fitting period, um, are the lenses included or not, you know, those types of things. Yeah. It's a lot. It's just a lot to talk about. And that needs to be done so the patient understands before you start because you're going to go in, you're going to look at lenses on eye, you're going to take a lot of time, you're going to carefully analyze, do an over-refraction. Then the patient goes to the front desk and says, oh, I can't afford that. Yes. And you're like, oh, like uh, now I miss my lunch and it's not going to happen. So I think that's a big thing is having that conversation ready for the patients. Um because uh, unfortunately, cost has to be part of the conversation. But then, of course, those other questions too. Um, so again, in a in when we're doing it in a, a day-to-day kind of thing, you know, having a, a teammate that can help you field questions, so that you can come in and, and not take so much time of your day, and you know, take two appointment slots worth um, to to throw a wrench in the rest of your day. How long does a just like that first visit of fitting a scleral? Let's say they already bought into it; they know it's going to cost. Yeah. Uh, what what is the typical booking for you to to do that? I imagine you're really fast because you have so much experience. Yeah. But um, like, what what how much time do you guys allot for that? Right now, I'm probably at like a 20 minute time slot because I'll put a lens on an eye, you know, uh, and because again, I feel very comfortable with the Zen lens. I kind of know what lens I'm gonna like right away most of the time. Sometimes you got to take it off and put a different one on, um, and you know, you basically put a lens on eye, and if the vault is even close to where you want it to be, then I'll I'll like let it settle for a bit, and then go from there. 
Um, but if you put it on and it's way too deep or way too shallow, then just take it right off. Like it doesn't, yep. And so you should be able to get, um, provided the patient isn't like super sensitive or something, um, where you can get lenses on and off fairly quickly. Um, and then I, you know, like to check and see, kind of do a preliminary fit assessment, make sure it looks pretty good. Um, and then I'll do an over refraction and talk to the patient a little bit, let the lens settle. Then I'll do one more fit assessment and, um, and then, com- yeah, yeah, complete right. it that way. Now this custom thing, I'm going to go order this and then uh, we'll see you back when, when they arrive and we'll, yeah. we'll teach you how to put them in. Another tool that's kind of nice is to have, um, whether it's like a sticky note or like a notepad that you make up, you know, for me, it's just in my head, but you kind of write down all the things that you want. So you'll, I start at the middle. So how's my vault? How's my mid peripheral vault? How's my limbal clearance? How's my landing? How's my lens edge? How's the centration? What's the over refraction? And so I just, you know, go, yep. And then I call the consultation and here's all my things and you're going to be pretty close with that kind of stuff. I know, again, we could talk about this forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to kind of switch gears a little bit just to go back to kind of the original story that you were talking yeah. about. Because you've gone through this journey of uh, uh, certainly you know, going through residency, but then you basically worked and bought you like owned a practice uh which in many ways became very successful and then you had a change of heart you had because i think for a lot of us we're in school we're kind of taught in a way at least i think historically like ods are going to be private practice owners and that's the dream and you know that's that and you did that but clearly you maybe weren't happy or something changed in your life and i would love to just kind of yeah so um Again, same thing, like I came out of uh, optometry school, residency, and I even contemplated staying on at SCCO for a while because I just loved my experience there. They were looking for a contact lens team member. Um, But again, like private practice or bust, like here we go. And um, I had been connected to Jason through some, you know, some people in the contact lens world. And uh, so joined Jason shortly after that. and private practice was really great, especially when I was young and single. You know, I could just like throw myself in it. Loved all the fun things that came along with the private practice, you know, like lens designing, doing some research um, alongside Jason, doing some speaking and writing. And the private practice was so great because it allowed us to do what whatever we wanted to do. Like if we wanted to go to GSLS, close the clinic and we went to a meeting. Um, and so that was, it was just so great. And of course, you know, got married, continued to work really hard on the practice, um, then uh, got pregnant and had my, my first uh, kid, my daughter. And after that, it was a, Jason had left um, around the time that I got engaged. So got married, you know, took over the practice, um, and then had my daughter, Nora. And after she was born, I was, you know, I was aware that I can no longer do this by myself. So I found an office manager, hired her. She did a great job, you know, super great teammate. Um, you know, brought on an associate uh, sometime in between when Jason left and having a baby um, named Zach Holland. And so we were kind of chugging along. And again, the um, as things change, you know, insurances evolve, practices evolve, you know, people evolve. Um, I was kind of getting this like little calling in me that is like, gosh, I don't love the numbers. I don't love the metrics. I reached out to people who were like great practice owners lectured on practice management things, tweaked their, you know, picked their brains, just like, again, like looking for that mentorship. And every time I like got the numbers back, it was like, okay, pretty good. You know, definitely like, you know, I had, I could pay the bills. I was happy with, you know, where I was at in the private practice. And, but again, like, it was still just like, I don't love this. 
Um, there's something about this that, you know, I'm one that I can get stressed out and maybe like, you know, the type A in me makes me a really great scleral lens fitter, but it also makes me a very difficult practice owner. Um, cause it was hard to like let go of some things. And so the, you know, the tendency to want to grab onto every aspect of the practice and, and not let that go was probably part of it, you know, just like overstressed. Um, and, uh, but again, like deep down, it was just like, man, like I kind of miss the excitement that I had when I was at, you know, some of my externship sites like Minnesota Eye Consultants and, um, you know, some of the more complex patients. And back then I was, you know, as a student, probably more comfortable than I was at the time with, you know, glaucoma or diabetic retinopathy and things because we just had gotten so specialized in contacts Yeah, you that, that I was like, gosh, room. I feel like I'm kind of losing the rest of my skills. And that bothered me too. Um, I really enjoy like academic like things, um, you know, like becoming a fellowship, working on my diplomate. Um, and so I think, you know, those things were, I valued those things more professionally in my growth, um, over owning a practice. And my, uh, my parents are, you know, business entrepreneurial types. And so there was certainly some like pride aspect of sure, like, there's a going to them there. and being like, you know, I like, we're doing good, but I don't think this is for me. And um, so there definitely was like just an acceptance of self and like sort of looking into your own person on like, yeah, my work me is doing great, but like my, my, you know, Brooke, the inside Brooke, um, I was just like, yeah, this just isn't for me. And, uh, Brian and I never really saw ourselves living in a metro area long-term and, you know, with Nora, you know, two, three years old, it was one of those things where it's like, it's time to just do it or we're not going to because she's going to start school and we're going to be here so we just decided that you know it's time to make the leap um, it brought me you know, much closer to my family in north dakota um, we're about the same distance maybe just a touch further from brian's family so now we're equidistance between the parents um, we get to see my family a lot more and and to me you know that part of my life just brings so much balance to um, feeling good about coming into work with energy you know, I didn't have to use like my family and things to fuel my energy for the practice. It's, you know, very equal now where I enjoy work. I come home and I'm not totally exhausted. I go home and I enjoy my family and then I'm not totally exhausted to go to work the next day. So, and, um, the other cool thing about where I'm at now is since we're working with, you know, complex cornea, you know, more complicated things, um, compared to things that you would just fit in like a gas perm lens, you know, very complicated, you know, sick eyes, um, glaucoma, uh, research, that there's been a whole nother part of the industry that I've been able to collaborate with or write with, or, you know, uh, think about ideas like what's next in this field. And again, like that's the part of me that really fuels my workday. And so again, while it was hard to step away from private practice and I still miss, you know, a certain group of patients, um, you know, the practice is still doing great. And um, I feel like I'm doing even better than, you know, than I've ever been. So from a professional standpoint, I feel very happy with where I'm at now. I think, honestly, I think it shows in just how you talk about it, the passion that comes through. Uh, I, I personally just I really respect that you've had these moments of introspection because there's, there is, I think, a lot of that pressure like, oh, you need to do this for your career or you need to be, uh, you need to be achieving these certain goals. And you were able to um, find success and it seems like you, you found really good success, but then you just kind of, you're able to say, you know what, I'm going to put that aside. I'm, I'm going to do what's right for me. And 
it's it's paying off yeah, you, yeah. you 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 talk about this and um i, I just re- respect that and so uh, i think that's fantastic because i know a lot of other ods i've talked to um whether on social media or here at academy or, or other avenues a lot of people face these mm-hmm. thoughts these challenges and if you are in a spot where you're not truly loving it or you're having those thoughts it, it kind of creeps on you it does it does it wears you down um and i think you know first is you know, where's, where do you want to be? Is it closer to family? Is it closer to the mountains? Like what fuels you really? Is it closer to the golf course? I do miss the mountains myself. (laughs) I I, I like mountains. And, um, and so that was number one for us was we wanted to go someplace that got us closer to my family because we didn't get to see them enough when we were in Minneapolis. And so that was kind of number one, uh, for me. And we also wanted to get to a smaller area um, still large enough to where I could use my specialty and, you know, my husband's an engineer. And so we needed to be someplace where he could get into, you know, a good engineering career. Um, and so Fargo was a great place for us again, cause it's, we're equidistant from, uh, the grandparents and, uh, there's a lot of industry in Fargo. So there is. Yeah. I say engineering. I'm like perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like the North Dakota is great. It's a, you know, headquarters, uh, for that type of work for him. So he was able to find a job and, you know, starting to thrive there. And then, you know, me landing in a place where ODs and MDs collaborate, we talk ideas, you know, we're like, what's next for the field? And, um, you know, we teach a lot, we teach together, you know, ODs and MDs lecture together. Um, And that to me is, again, very cup filling for the day to day, you know, gives me joy when I come to work and then we get to teach others. And having students at the practice, you know, that was always fun, but it is difficult with students at times. It is. You know, our, our, our clinic has usually a few students, and I love it because, uh, one, I feel like, because I, I, I had such fond memories of working with other doctors when I was a student, and it also, it, it keeps me sharp. Mm-hmm. Like, if they ask me questions, or if I sit there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I should probably know this even better. Uh, and so I, that's one of my goals is to always be improving and always mm-hmm. learning new things. And I, I just want to be the best doctor I can for my patients and, and also for myself. Yeah. And they, they again, keep me, they keep me sharp. They somehow find what you don't know. Yeah, like, yeah. How is it that they just like zone in on that? And you're right. So it's constantly a challenge. And having a resident has been really fun with that too, because they're even more capable of making their own decisions and they take their knowledge from their rotations and their training at their school. Um, and they come in really sharp because, you know, you just take boards. You know, everybody listening probably knows what it feels like to be at the top of your game at the end of school. Um, also, being a teacher so, is a little challenging at times. Like, you think you know something, and then you try to teach it to somebody, and you're like, oh, wait, maybe I, I don't know this as good as I thought. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a whole skill set in its own. And yep, I hope yep. my other students who hear this, maybe, um, I'm sorry if, <laughs> if I failed you in some way, but I'm going to get I'm gonna get better, promise. Yep, yeah, the, um, yeah, the, the student thing is great. Um, and again, the resident has been, it's been really enjoyable to have a resident and, um, you know, continue to challenge myself in those ways again, like kind of that like academic mindset or, um, you know, continuing to grow professionally to be as sharp as possible. Um, and the residency helps me do that too. So that's fun. Well, again, I just, I appreciate you sharing that bit of story because I know a lot of doctors out there, uh, one, I think people have to realize that what you think you're going to do with your, your profession is going to, is likely not going to be the same thing all the way through uh, your career. You know, some people may, they may end up just starting cold right out of school and find success. And that's what they do for 30 years. Mm-hmm. 
you know, but then uh, most people I've talked to, it changes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's okay. You know, we were chatting about before about like kind of the personal evolution and that when you're younger, you have some ideas and then you have a family and that changes on what's important. Is it flexibility? Is it income? Um, is it the type of patients you see? And I think that's okay to evolve. You know, you don't have to be locked into private practice or locked into associateship or, you know, whatever you're doing. And that, um, you know, if you're not happy, you should just evaluate what is it that's going to make you happy and then start looking for it. And it probably, it may not be immediate, but, you know, eventually if you just keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, talk to people who can help you, you know, move the chess pieces and line things up, you know, something's going to come around. Right. And we thankfully, we do again, have a lot of mentors in the, in the space. We have ODs who've left practice and are now in industry or in research or, uh, you know, there's some, I know some optometrists who aren't, don't even they're not even really practicing in the eye care space at all. And it's just, it's, it just, it gives me a lot of hope even for my own profession, like, mm-hmm. um, or my, my, my role Your within evolution. profession. Yeah. yeah my evolution. Yeah. So again, Brooke, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, as far as kind of the next step going forward, whether it be the next month, next year, what, what kind of, what's going on that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, continuing to work on our uh, residency accreditation is kind of my next to-do list, and it's not that fun of work, but that'll be a real big source of pride by getting that done. Um, and I'm also working on my diplomate, which I think is uh, professionally been very rewarding too, again, because I just really like to understand things at a, at a high level um, and being able to share that. Uh, so that's exciting. That's on my That's on my kind of aspiration list too. Yeah, and you just kind of got to, just like everything else, you just have to... I remember sitting there putting my name in all the boxes and it's like submit or not submit. Like, it's a big pill. It's a big pill to swallow. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of things you got to accomplish, um, you know, not overnight, but it's, it is a dedication. And so I have a lot of respect for the doctors who are uh, diplomats of the Academy. You know? Yeah. And then, uh, it, you know, in the practice, um, we're continuing to work on growing our myopia control space. So I'm really looking forward and have lots of goals and growth in that area. Cause in our region, there's not a ton of people who do myopia control, so it's been fun to get out and educate our, uh, you know, kind of our referring network around the clinic um, to either start it themselves or, you know, hey, I can help you. We can co-manage these patients. We can get them back to you for the primary care. Um, so growing in that space has been, uh, it's exciting for me too. And I think that's that's wise. And I actually, I I. I personally am not, I can't say I'm a master at myopia management. I, I barely know what's going on, but I'm interested in it. And every time I do CCE or there's an article written on it, I'm trying to eat it up because I think it is going to, it's going to radically change a lot of our, our practice and just kind of what optometry is. It's a, yeah, it's a really neat way to connect with families because you get the parents trust, you get the kids, they grow, they, you know, they evolve with their not being able to wear, not having to wear glasses anymore. It's just a, a, also a very rewarding space in contact lenses. I wish I would have had ortho K back when I was like seventh, seventh grade or something like that. I think it would have just, it, it would have changed my life and impacted in many ways. Yeah. I have kids that say if their house was on fire, the last thing they'd grab, the first thing they'd grab is their contact lenses. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Brooke, for being here. And uh, yeah, and just thank you. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. So that is it for today. I want to thank you for listening. I hope this conversation brought a lot of value into your life and practice. As you can tell, my guest and I give a damn about optometry. And if you'd like to support the podcast, the most meaningful and impactful way to do that is to subscribe to the show on YouTube, as well as connect with us following Odie's on Facebook and leaving us a comment. 
Also, to learn more about our guest, sponsors, or the topics discussed today, please visit our episode page for show notes and relevant resources. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate the love and support. Otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic day. And until next time, keep an eye on it, and we'll talk to you soon.